Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Get that microphone out of the way. Yes, I've learned how to angle the camera so the microphone's not there. Thank you for the tip. Uh, again, this is just a random live stream. We will still be doing our live stream tomorrow at 8 a.m. You can count on that on Saturdays. Uh, we do that probably 45, 46 weeks out of the year. Uh, this one is, uh, we're just doing it because unfortunately, Stephen Dow has a work emergency. Boy, I don't miss those. Uh, apparently, Stephen Dow is setting up at a conference and FedEx lost his booth. Oh, I don't miss those crazy, hectic days of booth duty and speaking at conferences and all of that stuff. So, Stephen, I hope it works out. Hope you find it. Hope you make it work, man. Take care of yourself. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll talk next week. But we're going to do here is uh, we're going to talk about this channel. Uh, I get a bunch of comments that I just kind of want to address, uh, talk about uh, what we're doing here at One Rental at a Time. And, of course, if you're watching this and you have a question, leave it there in the comments. Uh, I will do my best to get to it. And of course, if you just want to say hi, you can leave a comment. I will do my best to give you a shout out as we go forward. So a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost about this channel, if you're new to the channel, you hit subscribe, like, comment, all of that stuff. Uh, a couple of things to point out. One is I do not delete comments uh, unless, like there is an unless. Uh, when you have a YouTube channel, uh, you do get these bots that come in and talk about Bitcoin and Telegram and all of those things. They appear on about 90% of the videos I put out. So I will delete and always delete those comments. Uh, I don't, um, I want active engagement. I don't mind disagreements, but I don't want to see comments about Bitcoin and this and that other thing and follow me at this telegram nonsense. So yes, I do delete those comments. In fact, I not only delete those comments, but I block the user. I don't mess around. I hopefully block them, but they just keep coming back. Some days there's 20 of them. Some days there's 40 of them. I do take the time to delete and block all of those users. So if you see one of my posts that say four comments and you only see three, pretty much rest assured, one of those is those Bitcoin bots. The other thing you could definitely count on, because I am the only one that looks at this channel, I'm the one that uh, manages this channel. Uh, if you preach hate, like hate, like hate, I will delete your comment and block you as well. I don't need that stuff in my life. Uh, it's my channel, I guess. And uh, if you're going to preach fear and hatred and all of these things, um, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to tolerate it. Uh, I'll just delete it and move on. Uh, but those are the only two things. If you disagree with me, please disagree with me. When I put something out there and you think I'm wrong, tell me about it. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, it'd be better than saying, you know, Zuber, you're an idiot. You could say, Zuber, you're an idiot. This is what I think. That would be great. Uh, I am wrong all the time. In fact, yesterday you saw an example of it. Uh, yesterday while speaking with the three amigos, uh, we talked about Goldman Sachs' call for 16% in uh, property value growth next year. I think I did a, a live stream for on Wednesday, and I'm like, feels kind of aggressive. I'm more comfortable at five to eight. But the more I thought about it, the more we talked about it, I now think Goldman's right. In fact, I think Goldman might be conservative. I think it might be 20%. Now, some of that's because I see inflation much worse than uh, the powers that be do. Uh, but again, I am wrong all the time. So if you disagree with me, have at it. I'm used to it. I was in sales for a long time. I have thick skin. People tell me no all the time. In fact, I used to get 99 no's to get one yes. 
So unless you're a Bitcoin bot or someone that is preaching pure hatred, go feel free. Leave comments by all means. And sometimes my opinion changes. I, I do daily financial news on purpose because I don't have an, my opinion is pretty fluid. It changes and moves all the time. So, and hopefully you like that. Hopefully the daily financial news is part of your routine so you can see what's going on. And again, the daily financial news has been going on for more than two years together, right? We have more, almost 800, I think just over 800 episodes, never missing a day. So you can count on it. Something, something that is out there. Um, let's see if we have any questions. Let's say hi to people. Hey, Nathan, good morning. Andrew, good morning. Beautiful day in the Bay Area. Yep. So you got that nice autumn crisp, right? I work out. Actually, I have a sweater on. It feels good. Uh, uh, Georgie, good morning. Will I mail? Will I mail? Good morning. Why is it hard to get a loan from banks to buy a duplex as a first buyer home? Uh, Will, there's probably more uh, data there that I don't have from you, but generally speaking, uh, getting a um, owner rock loan for a duplex, what, what I would call a house hack, is about as easy as I've seen it in the last two years, except, except if you are self-employed, really, really hard, self-employed, really, really hard. Uh, and it, the other one is if your debt to income is too high. Uh, in fact, uh, Matt, the mortgage guy, someone I speak to every Wednesday, we've done videos where there are first-time homebuyer programs that will go as high as 95% LTV, uh, have pretty low credit requirements, like 620, I think. Go back and watch the uh, playlist with Matt, the mortgage guy. Uh, but assuming you're not self-employed, you have a decent credit score, <clears throat> you should be able to get a loan. In fact, I would uh, I would reach out to Matt, the mortgage guy. I think it's greatmortgagebroker.com. Tell him I sent you. Uh, he now supports nationwide. He should be able to get you into a program unless you're self-employed. Self-employed today, very, very hard. So uh, I don't know uh, your situation. Uh, UC Deport, how many Chinese investors own residential real estate in the U.S.? And could the Chinese recession force massive supply in the market if they liquidate? So first off, how many? No idea. Uh, I would tell you it's probably more than people expect. Uh, something we did about a year ago uh, is we drove down to LA just to check out the Southern California market. And we went to, I think we went to 12 open houses and half, half. So six of 12 uh, clearly were owned by uh, uh, someone in Asia. Uh, they had their kids living there while they went to college, right? And it was very sparsely furniture. It was, it was clearly like a savings account for uh, that family. Uh, so first off, I think it's more than people think. First part of your question. Second, um, that's an interesting question, right? Will a Chinese recession, which I think is very likely, will it cause mass supply? That's interesting. It certainly could. I actually think the reverse is possible also. Think about it. You're a Chinese citizen. You got a little scratch. You got a little, lot, little bit of uh, money saved up. You see all this attack on wealth, right? That is what is going on in the CCP. They are attacking wealth and success. They are whacking the top 10% and distributing money to the bottom. So if that is you, do you look to sell foreign properties? Probably not. You don't want to bring more capital home, I don't think. In fact, I think this Chinese recession actually may force some to buy more U.S. real estate. I actually think it might be reverse. Uh, UC Deport, love to hear what you think about that. I think it's kind of reverse. Uh, and then mass supply if that market is liquidated. Let's just assume, let's, just, let's have a wild discussion here. Let's just assume the Chinese CCP government says it is illegal illegal to own foreign properties, which, oh, by the way, they could say that. I'm not saying they will, but they could. Let's say they say it's illegal. You will be shot or imprisoned if you don't sell in the next six months. I'm just making this up as we go, which is something they could say. No idea if they will, probably not, but let's assume they do. I think that hurts a few markets a lot. 
Again, I think LA, probably New York, probably some other markets across the country. They're, they're, they're consolidated in, but it doesn't hurt the nation. It doesn't hurt the nation, right? The Chinese or foreign, I shouldn't just say Chinese, the foreign uh, Asian uh, sellers in that example, they're pretty um, consolidated, I think. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think a couple like LA would get hurt. LA would get hurt. New York probably. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it impacts the country. Thanks for the question. That was fun to think about. Nathan, would you spend money on landscaping your primary home you live in? Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things uh, I've always believed is you got to take uh, care of where you live. It's where your family is. Um, I don't think I would go nuts on landscaping, but yeah, landscaping would be quality of life. Certainly do it. Um, yeah. And I, Nathan, as you know, I'm a dog guy. So yeah, having a backyard with grass would be really cool. So uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, will I mail? You're welcome. Hope that helps. Would you open a HELOC on your primary home for use? I I certainly would open a HELOC, um, but I don't know that I would use it. Uh, I would have it there for just in case, right? I always talk about the deal of the decade coming around once a year. Uh, Nathan, I'm not a huge user. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in over leverage, as you know. Follow me for a while. But yeah, you never know, right? You get a deal of a decade that comes by. You're kind of light on... Um, light on funds, but you have a way to pay that back. My general rule, Nathan, is if you can pay back your HELOC in a year or less, I would do that deal. In fact, I've done that deal many, many times. I used my HELOC one time to buy an apartment building and I paid it back, I don't know, 10 or 11 months later. I don't like seeing you use a HELOC and just levering up and then, oh, it's debt on debt on debt. So yeah, my general rule is use the HELOC, deal of, deal of the decade. Uh, but have a plan to pay it back in a year. That's what I think. Uh, U.S. market. I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. I would love to see you interview Matt on his channel about everything PM and material selection for his units. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, we could do that, I'm sure. Uh, good morning, that's all. How are you? True, coastal markets would suffer the most in that scenario. Yeah, we agree. All right, cool. So I've caught up, said hi to everybody. Keep leaving comments, keep leaving questions. We're just doing a random live stream. I had some things to go through. Um, real quick, uh, if you have gotten the new book, let's talk about this. I think this is a fair topic. So in the new book, you will see that I talked to 15 different millionaires with different stories. Um, one of the things that you will see when you buy the book is I call them guests, guest one, guest two, guest three, guest four. Some of you might ask, why didn't you name them? You know, why didn't you name them? Why didn't you say, you know, Sally Smith and Mary Jo and all of that? So there's a couple of reasons and I don't know if they make sense, but these are my reasons. First and foremost, I've been working on this book for a year and how I started assembling the book was stories, right? This initial book, One Rental at a Time, that's now on hard copy, is my story of buy and hold out of the MLS while working a full-time job. That's only one story of success in real estate. I wanted to build a book with 15 unique stories. So as that goal, I started going through all of my 4,000 uh, videos and interviews with other millionaires. And I pulled stories out. I pulled out Burr. I pulled out out-of-state investing. I pulled out joint venture. I pulled out flipping. I pulled out all the things that I don't know and do not consider myself to be an expert on. So I have this storyboard of stories, right? That's what I was, that was the riddle I was trying to solve for. Second, when you're creating a book with 15 millionaires in it and you start naming people, the book's going to do better based on the big names, right? I've been very, I have interviewed some big names. But if I was going to start naming folks, I would have had incentive to only talk about the biggest names I have interviewed. And that doesn't solve my problem. That doesn't answer the question that I wanted. Some of the folks in the book, they have 12 units. 
I would have had to have 15 interviews with people that have hundreds of units. I would not have solved the problem I was trying to solve by naming folks. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's why I chose guests. And then finally, one of the things I thought I would have to do, don't know if it's true, but if I started naming folks, I would have had to send their chapter to them pre pre-release to have them review it, edit it, sign off. And uh, I'd already spent a year on it and I didn't feel like doing that quite frankly. So that's why everything is guessed. That's why I worked really hard to protect the identity. These are all public interviews. They're all on my channel. So if you wanted to know who they were, it's there. Uh, but that's why. That's why I chose guests. Because again, I was trying to solve the riddle of 15 unique stories. 15 stories that you, the reader, could hold on to if they're important to you. I didn't want to talk about the 15 biggest people I've interviewed. I don't think that would have been a... That book... If I would have done a book about the 15 biggest people I interviewed, that book probably sells more. But if you know anything about this channel, that's not what motivates me. I wanted to find 15 unique stories that could help you perhaps hold on and get through the first three or four tough years of real estate investing. So that is why. That's why the book says guest. I have no idea if that's right. It, it, it frankly may disappoint you that, hey, I didn't know this was X and this was Y and this was Z, but I don't know. I took a shot. I tried to stay core to my my beliefs as always. So, yeah. All right. Let's see who else is talking here. Uh, good morning, Holly's buddy. Good morning, uh, Gil. How are you? Uh, question. Planning to retire. Cool. Need to find something to do other than play golf. Yeah. What would you suggest? Nathan, um, as someone who uh, quit abruptly, I would tell you that's a very wise question. I quit at 45, financially free, and I spend the next four to six weeks getting depressed. That's embarrassing. There's something wrong with that. The reason is, is I thought I was five years away from having to think about retirement. So <coughs> I would, I would tell you what excites you, what interests you, how can you give back impact lives? You know, one of the things I might do in the future is coach uh, little uh, soccer leagues, right? I, I played soccer for 15 or 16 years growing up. I might do that. You know, it's, it's, if you've got your means met, find a way to give back. Find that little itch that excites you. It's okay to get paid for it, but it's not about the money. I would find that thing. Is it financial freedom? Is it some kind of coaching? The ability to impact future generations, pretty meaningful, man. I got to tell you, if I didn't have this YouTube channel, I would be working. But now that I can help people a couple hours a day, I have a great life, right? Don't stress about money. And I get to help people. I get notes almost every day about how I'm helping somebody change their lives. I got a note the other day from a gentleman who was living in Section 8 housing his whole life, and he bought his first duplex. Uh, I got a note yesterday about somebody living in Hong Kong uh, who finally got, um, I think it was a house. Was it a fourplex? I don't remember. But anyways... All these notes, they're more meaningful, Nathan, than buying another unit. I will buy units the rest of my lives. It's just what we do. But if I can help someone do the work and get their first or next deal, that is awesome. So go find that thing for you. What is it? How can you help somebody get better or coach them or mentor them or something? That's, that's what I would do. So that was my big mistake. And yeah, you can't play golf all that often. AB, any tips on saving on living expenses in the era of inflation other than just having cheap 30-year debt? Well, one of the things I talk about, uh, AB, in my Get Your Money Right course is something that Olivia and I did right when we started. First thing, uh, track your expenses. 
right? First step one of the course is, you know, guess how much monthly expenses you have, track it every day. Most people are wrong and they're wrong on the wrong side, right? They say they, they spend two, they spend three. They say they spend four, they spend six. It's just funny. Then the big one for Olivia and I was we started looking at our expenses and we said need, want, need, want, need, want. And that's important. We always took care of our needs, but we whacked wants for over 10 years. Yeah. So the biggest thing you have to do is look yourself in the mirror and understand that, you know what? I have a lot of wants that I'm spending on. And we personally went from spending 100% to spending 50% of our income. Not, I don't know if you can get to 50%, but if you get to 80%, that's 20% uh, left over in savings. So um, the other ones are just, it, it's what economists tell you, right? Switching costs and coupons and all this other nonsense. I think the biggest thing you could do is look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself what's a need and want. Most folks have hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every month on wants. And that's that's money that could be saved. So that's what I think. Mike, love your videos. Just like ask for more likes. Yeah, I, I'm horrible at this YouTube thing. Even though I've been doing YouTube for almost three years, I don't ask for likes or thumbs up or any of that stuff. But yes, I appreciate that. Um, uh okay andrew it's too personal i understand is your unrelenting effort to help others with real estate finance a product of your upbringing and family members who are still not making financial optimized choices yes i would say a lot of what i do now is ingrained uh from what i saw as a teenager right the teenage years at least for me were very formative i'd been working since i was 12 right under the table and then got a, a job at a fast food at 13, which was legal back then. I don't know what the age is now. Um, but yeah, I had to, I, I, I worked to uh, put groceries uh, in the fridge in my family several times when my father was unemployed. My mom was a stay at home mom uh, until I was in high school. Uh, so yeah, it um, money's a stressor. Money is a big deal. Uh there's a lot of people in my family that still blame the system. Uh, I have several family members that blame everybody else but themselves. And then their poor, stupid decisions. And, um, you know, if you want help, if you want to get on this path to a better financial future, I want to help. But if you don't, if, if you want to blame others, I'm not your guy. I'm not going to stand up with that. I don't even talk to these people anymore because they drive me crazy. If you don't have personal responsibility, I don't want to talk to you. I have family members that I used to only see on Christmas. I don't even bother with anymore. It's like, I don't need that toxic, stupid. Oh, it's just, it grades on me. It does. It really does. So yeah, it um, it's definitely something that's ingrained. Yeah. I have an opportunity to save and buy a house cash. Cool. Good for you. Or get it now on a land contract. Would this be considered an alligator being that it needs renovation and won't make anything for four months? Uh, no, it's, it's only an alligator, at least in my definition. You can call it whatever you want. But my definition of an alligator is only after the make ready. I bought plenty of properties that were vacant for 90, 100 days. That doesn't matter. That's just part of the process, right? I buy a junker. It takes me 60 days to fill. I do the math after it's rent ready. Now, again, I include the cash in the make ready in my numbers. But no, it is not considered an alligator if it's empty because you have to remodel. It's only an alligator after the lease is signed and you do all the numbers. Then it could be an alligator. If you're buying a junker and you need four months to fix it, so be it. It's part of the plan. Oh, Andrew, get more likes. Well, I got 62 people watching and 16 likes. So uh, apparently, that's a, what is that, 3%? Now 61, uh, anyway, I try. Thanks for the help, Andrew. Thanks for your time, Michael. It's very appreciated from all of us. You're welcome, Larry. Uh, yes, plus one on thank you. You're very welcome. What do you think of Lofty? 
I don't know what Lofty is, uh, Kevin. I'm sorry. It sounds like it's a company, but I don't know. It might be an app, so I don't know. For Section 8, what other qualifiers do you look for, i.e. credit score? Uh, so one thing uh, I'm going to say that's Nessie. Nessie? Nessie? I don't know. I tried. Uh, I treat everybody the same. I don't look at where the payments are coming from. So I do not have a Section 8 criteria or a cash criteria. It's credit score. It's income, uh, you know, three times income or three times rent. Sorry, three times income, three times rent. Uh, no evictions, stuff like that. Landlord reference. Uh, I have the same, every unit I have, every single one. Uh, if the first tenant that applies is Section 8 and they meet the criteria, they get a yes answer. I do not. I do not have a pile for cash in a pile for Section 8. Everything is everything is for everyone. Uh, and I have the same criteria. All right. So I've caught up. Again, keep leaving comments, questions, all that stuff. Thank you for being a part of this Friday morning random live stream. It's a lot of fun. Uh, thought I would talk about uh, the course a little bit, right? How to get started one rental at a time. It's now over 2,000 students. Uh, what I want you to realize what the course is. Uh, I built it for a couple of things. One, because everybody was reading this great book and they're like, how'd you do it? So I'm like, I guess I have to document it. But really what I'm trying to do is two things, right? I'm trying to remove fear. A lot of real estate investors, it's a lot of money, right? You're tying up debt 30 years. It's, it's kind of, it can be nerve wracking, right? It's not like buying shoes. Um, but I think, I think real estate investing is a skill and thus you, it can be learned. What I hope you get after taking the course, certainly after the first three stages or phases or whatever you call it in a course, is I hope you build personal confidence. By doing a daily discipline with a buy box and doing math and comparing deals and building your own spreadsheet, which is everything I take you through, I'm hoping you have confidence after 60 or 75 or 90 days. It does take day daily discipline. Then what you will realize is my course is amazing because of all the bonus content we have attracted. One Rental at a Time book and YouTube channel has attracted amazing contributors who have added content. And again, I don't profess to know or talk about things I don't know. So we've had people add flipping and self-management and house hacking and room hacking and Airbnb and all these things that I choose not to know or learn. We have had others. And then finally, probably the cherry on top, which is totally free once you buy the course, is the Facebook group. The Facebook group is almost a 1,000 members. It is the most positive, networking, sharing, happy place on the internet. The course itself is worth that. Gr the group is worth the price of the course. I don't know how to say that. But yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So uh, the course at $299 is a steal. There's mortgage stuff in there that'll help you save money. It's just, I don't know. I can't say enough good things. And to see the feedback from people doing deals is pretty awesome. All right, let's go back to the questions. Uh, looks like uh, tokenized rent houses is what Lofty is. Kevin, I don't know. I don't know uh, Lofty. I guess I will look it up and maybe have answers next time. What do you think about Fundrise, the real estate investing company? I'm going to guess that's a company that does kind of like fractional ownership as well. Um, I choose to own my own stuff. I don't want to be in something with 12, 15, 20, 30 other people. My opinion. Been watching your videos for a while. Now I like how you have different people on, but every week on the same day. Yep. I am a creature of habit. I have been called a hammer. Uh, so yes, we have, we have a schedule and we just stick to the schedule as best we can. We, we're about, we're about 90%. My, uh, every other Thursday guest from PropStream has been a huge disappointment. They've missed the last six or eight weeks. So I, I may not do that one anymore. I don't need to, I can use that time for something else. But other than that one, my experts are awesome. These are multimillionaires. Folks, the people I interview, I have eight multimillionaires I talk to every week for you. This channel is very different than anything on YouTube. This channel is for you. It's not just one guy in his car, one guy standing in a field. 
I bring on eight other experts and we disagree all the time. So again, this channel is very unique. Question, is deflation possible that everyone on inflation side? Yeah, deflate. Well, deflation actually. So yes, deflation is possible. Yes, absolutely. Uh, deflation can come in a couple of different flavors. We could have asset deflation. Absolutely. We could have true, you know, like deflation in wages and goods with automation and you know technology and all of that. Absolutely, deflation is possible. However, let's realize one thing right now: the Fed does not like inflation. At least inflation at five percent. It likes inflation at two percent. It doesn't like inflation where it's at today. The Fed is terrified, terrified of deflation. You think the Fed is printing a lot of money now? We get a whiff of deflation and that printer will go on overdrive. I do not believe the Fed would allow de a deflationary cycle to take off. Asset deflation, sure. Some of that could happen, no doubt. But true economic deflation, oh, that would terrify the Fed. Oh, my God, the Fed would be, oh, my God. So is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. Is it likely? Uh, not sure. I'm interested in the course since I've read the book. Great. Uh, is that Janitha? Sorry if I got that wrong. The course is great. How to get started one rental at a time. I have student interviews on my channel. The Facebook group's amazing. Um, there's people on this chat that are in the course. So yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Abdul, can you go into a little detail about your process to filter tenants, what programs you use, how to check credit scores? Do you have application fees? Abdul, I have a property manager that does all of that. I have not, I've had a property manager since we've had one unit. I, as an owner, set up the box and my team or property manager does all the work. I don't know what applications they use. I don't know the systems. I don't know the fees. I don't know any of that. Uh, I got into the buy and hold landlord game because I want freedom. I don't want a phone call with broken stuff. I don't want to run applications. I happily pay a property manager. I spend a, about two hours a week on my portfolio. I got into the rental game for freedom. So Abdul, I'm sorry. I have no answers on those questions. Nathan, I did Fundrise. Go, oh, good company. Be careful. Not very liquid. Yeah, that's what I would think. They vet the properties with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Getting in is easy. Getting out. See, yeah, it's interesting. You probably, they probably have first right refusals and discounts and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Too much. Thanks for answering the family question. Yeah, Andrew, no problem. Very few questions are off. Uh, there's very few questions I won't answer. Uh, da, da, da. When do you think is best time to buy a new primary residence? Uh, Raul, I generally don't answer that question because I don't know enough about you and your family, right? Uh, how long are you going to live there? Uh, do you, are you going to live there a decade? Uh, how, how, how financially secure you are? Uh, are you going to, you know, turn it into a rental? Are you going to house hack? There are so many questions that go into a primary residence and, and let's be very clear. I think a primary residence is more emotional than financial. I teach, I use financial. Uh, I, we bought the house that I'm talking to you with. Didn't look at the financials. It's like, that's where we're going to live. We want our daughter in that school system by the house. Didn't think about it. My daughter needed a place in New York. Didn't think about it. We bought a place in New York. So I don't talk primary residence because there are lots of life choices. It's more than an Excel spreadsheet. Primary residence is, I don't know, 30% Excel and 70% emotion. And I don't do well with emotions, right? I'm a numbers guy. One day, the property management I use says they cannot discriminate based on credit score. How can I set my box with them? Uh, 
Well, first off, I don't think it is discriminating, but again, I don't know. I don't know what state or city or country you're in. Uh, I believe we can still use credit scores in California. Uh, I had not heard that if that changed. So I guess I should call my property manager. You can do income. You can do income, right? You want to get really, um, you want to get really uh, the best of the best, take income to like four times rent, right? Something like that. Provable income, four times rent. Uh, but I had never heard of that on credit scores. And I don't, I don't know that it's just, I don't know. Talk to a lawyer, I guess. I had not ever heard of that. That's interesting. Let me take that down. I'm going to call my property manager and ask. Hold on. Credit score. See if something changed. Who knows? Maybe something changed. John Doe. I'm having a problem with low appraisal here in Central Florida. I can't come up with the extra 20K out of pocket. I am sorry. Um, yeah, there's not much you can do there. I mean, obviously, I'm sure, John, you've already gone back to the seller. Uh, maybe you... Maybe you wrote the offer and waived the appraisal condition. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you've paid for a second appraisal. I've had to do that occasionally, probably five or six times in my career. Uh, it doesn't always work, but I have paid for a second appraisal before. Um, I've even given appraisers comps that support. Um, yeah, it's... Um, maybe you get the seller to take back a 20K second for short term. Maybe use a credit card. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have enough data other than say I'm sorry. Uh, Angel, when trying to scale and grow your real estate portfolio, what are your thoughts on crowdfunding and using biz credit to acquire properties? Um, I don't know what you mean by crowdfunding. Um, generally speaking, I don't like going 100% debt, right? It, you know, taking 20% from business credit and putting, you know, getting 80% loan over here, it, you're creating a, a debt tsunami that could become a problem. Often the debt uh, has different interest rates and different terms and timelines. Um, I just reduced my spending and snowballed the income uh, to keep moving forward. I don't like the, I don't like the people that preach 100% financing. Those deals can happen. And yes, I have done 100% deals but they are um, highly risky. Uh, I don't like people that preach more debt, more just to have debt. Uh, so hopefully that answers the, the question. When you're com coming to Portland, uh, grab some coffee. Nothing scheduled. Uh, Larry, my wife and I have the course. We found it very beneficial, even though we already own three properties. Oh, cool. That's nice to hear. Yeah, I, I, I would say... Uh, I would say more than half my students already had a rental unit, at least one before they bought the course. Yeah. Do you pay your property manager a percent? Yes. I have paid anywhere from six to 10% based on the size of my portfolio. Yes. What about using the VA for investing in real estate? My husband is a veteran. Oh, that's very cool. And he mentioned the possibility of using VA to purchase real estate. Absolutely. Uh, Tanitha, uh, using a VA loan uh, is absolutely possible. I believe there are some restrictions. I am not a veteran and thus never used the VA loan. Um, I would tell you there's a gentleman that's on my channel, has his own. It's Dion Talk Financial Freedom. He just did a, a, a video like yesterday or the day before comparing a VA loan with FH, FHA, I think. VA loans are awesome. 0% down. Uh, there are some rules, but again, I don't know them very well. Uh, but I do know this. You have to use owner awk. So you could house hack. Uh, you could house hack a fourplex. You can room hack. Uh, it is a great program. And thank your husband for serving. That is a great thing. Um, yes, VA loans are possible, but I do not believe you can use them on investment properties. They're only for owner occupied. So you probably have to house hack. Thanks to you, I bought my first rental last week and I'm actively bidding on more. Congratulations, Eric. Do me a favor, Eric. Uh, send me a DM, a direct message, or a direct message? I don't know, whatever they're called. Uh, with your address and I will mail you one of these cards. I don't think I have uh, already. So yeah, Instagram is easiest. One rental at a time is my channel. Yep. 
I wanted to get an update from a section of the one rental at a time. How is the turning slumlord properties into pride of ownerships rental going? What's the late? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so since I wrote the book in 2018, Abdul, we have done, we have one more closing Monday. We have our last one on Monday. We will have done 58 properties. Uh, so it went really, really well. Uh, 2019, I think 2018, I think we did 21, 2019. I think we did, I don't know. We've done 58 as of Monday. So it went really, really well. We haven't locked up a new deal in like six months though. The numbers are crazy, but yeah, we had a, we had a good time. 58 total properties. We took from total, total dumps to full remodels. I think our average remodel was 42,000 bucks. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, any good stories from it? Um, I don't know if it's a good story. I think the most unfortunate thing I learned from flipping 58 dumps into pride of ownerships is it is very sad. It is very sad what some people are asked to live in. Of the 58 dumps that we bought, I don't know exactly, Abdul, but I would tell you half, probably half people were living in. And it was sad every time what people were asked to live in. Some slumlords out there are just rotten people. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I can think of a couple that were really bad. Other times we helped families that were in depth, financial trouble, probates and whatnot. Uh, we've, um, we've, we've come up with extra thousands of dollars to help people out. Uh, we, we just always did the right thing. We did it. Um, profit wasn't our main motivator. Uh, we made a profit every time, but it wasn't our main motivator. Uh, uh are you going to do live seminars, San Diego? Yes, we probably will. I have this vision, Nathan that one day Olivia and I will travel the country, if not the world. We will we will rent just crazy expensive Airbnbs for a week. And then we will pay for it, at least pay for some of it by hosting a Saturday or a Sunday event. That's a, Right now, that's a dream. Uh, but that'd be cool to think about, right? Like go rent a mansion in San Diego overlooking the water. I don't know two grand a night or whatever it is, and then host an event on Saturday or Sunday to pay half the cost. That would be really cool. That's just a dream right now, but uh, we may look at it next year. Did you get your real estate license since the book? Yes, I did. I passed the test. I got the book. I will not renew. Uh, I got the license because I assumed there was some super secret data uh, in the MLS that I'd never seen, and I was greatly disappointed. The license probably would have been beneficial when I started, but now with Redfin and Zillow and all these other apps, the data is not there. Um, the other thing uh, is I never wanted to work with anyone else, right? My, I could, right? I have this great channel. I could be a listing broker. I could be a, a sales broker, but um, I am not chasing money. So I'm going to let my license expire. I think it expires in December, I think. I think it's this year. So yeah, I will not renew. But I did get it. I could see why it's beneficial for some. I just don't want to work that hard. So uh, I will not be renewing. Oh, congrats one of your favorite parts. That's cool. Awesome. Eric, if you have to do a 1031 due to capital gains, what's your approach when you have to spend $1 million with such a tight deadline? Well, I've done that a couple of times, Eric. Those kinds of numbers as well. Um, the only thing I can tell you is start looking right away. I think today would be the hardest time to do a 1031 because it's easy to sell and hard to buy. I did a 1031 out of an apartment building in 19, but I had lined up the purchase uh, or I came to a basically an agreement with the seller who wanted to buy his entire portfolio. But yeah, do the work. Start looking right now for what is possible. Deals are tough. And lastly, um, I wouldn't do a bad deal to avoid taxes. 
if I couldn't find a deal, you know, it might be better to pay taxes this year than next year. So I, you know, yeah, 1031 in this environment is tough. What about your Pride Turnkey program? Is there a website? No, I didn't need a website. Uh, I talked about it on my YouTube channel and every everything sold. I sold, I want to be accurate. I sold 90% of my properties before I even owned them. I talk about it and people reach out. Lots of landlords want them. Uh, I have videos. You can go to my channel. I back. I walk through videos. I, I don't hide anything, guys. I do this business all day long. Um, so no, I don't have a website. I didn't need one. I wasn't big enough to have one. I found it. Yeah. Anyways, no, they, they all sold really fast. What about your family and friends who are cash rich and asset poor? Yes. Cash rich, asset poor. That's funny. I have a t-shirt like that. Did they ever get on board with your idea? Um, first and foremost, most of my family couldn't rub two nickels together. If I had to guess, other than my mom, my mom's pretty good. So if you take that one outlier out, let's guess. I would guess my average family member, cousins, aunts, uncles, probably couldn't come up with 10 grand. That's a guess. Yeah. So my family, not, um, not in very good financial shape other than my mom. Uh, she's in, um, she's in really good shape. How do I go about buying a tax lien? Love the content watch every day. Janet, uh, as something you will know, I don't talk about things I don't know. Uh, I have certainly tried to buy tax liens, right? I've gotten the list. I've done the, this and the, that nothing's made sense. So, uh, unfortunately I, uh, I don't have an answer for you because I have not completed one. I'm sorry. Just bought primary resident in class A neighborhood asking 475, won at 502 and was 55K under appraisal. Although I know from reading your book, you think appraisals are made up. I won. I won to. Okay. Um, oh, make it a rental in three years. Got it. Okay. There's more said there. How do you foresee rentals going in three years? Again, some of this will be your market, some of that, but um, uh, I think I've been pretty clear. I think we are repeating the 1970s. Uh, and if you want to see what the 1970s were, I have the spreadsheet. It's available in my course. Basically, housing goes up, rents go up, uh, interest rates go up, wages go up, pretty much everything goes up. So as long as your debt is good, uh, you should probably be okay. But again, I don't know if it cash flows today, right? Because I don't know what rents, I don't know. What, I mean, I have no idea what your payments are. I don't know. I think rents are higher three years from now than today. That's about all I can say. Yeah. All right. So I actually had some comments uh, that I thought I would get into. There's one from yesterday, John. I'll just say his first name, John. We talked about the housing market. So John thinks that the housing market is going to go up 10% a year for the decade. That is, um, that is impressive because when you think of compounding, what does that mean? So of course I did the math. So if you assume the house was a hundred K and again, you can pick whatever number you want. The math is the same. You go from a hundred K to 110 to 121 to 133 to 146 to 160 to 176 to 193 to 212 to 234. If you have 10% compounded for a decade, your house goes up 134%. Folks, that is the 1970s. Go look it up. It is certainly possible. What else? There was one more. I think I got them all. I think I did that one already. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then the last thing, one-on-one -on -one mentoring. This is something I've added recently. Uh, it's not something I did for a lot, but I did create a course, How to Get Started One Rental at a Time with 30-Minute Mentoring. 
Uh, it's out there. It's five ninety nine. So basically, it's three hundred bucks for thirty minutes of my time. If you want it, I did build my course, so you don't need it. I never wanted to do mentoring. I don't want to sell thirty minutes of my life at a time. But if you need that, which a lot of people do, uh, that option is there for you. And I have two spots left where if you buy that, I will give you autographed copies of both books. It's about a $50 value. Um, those books should be in by the end of the month. So we have two left, two spots left. Uh, I started this last week with 10. We're down to two. Uh, so if you want that, you sign up for the course. I'll get an email. I'll email you back asking your address. You'll get uh, autographed copies. So if that interests you, again, the link's below. It's $5.99. It is what it is. All right, folks, I'm going to call it. Thank you for this random live stream. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for everyone. Oh, we got some questions. Let me finish these up. So we got these last two questions uh, from Jay and Jeanette, and then we'll we'll stop. How do you feel about Javier Mendada saying they're stuck in the 70s and you're putting out poison? What? How do you feel? I guess I don't know who Javier is. They're stuck in the 70s and you're putting out poison. Javier said I'm putting out poison. I don't know who he is. I don't think I'm putting out poison. But if he does, I guess he can disagree with me. I don't know who that I don't I don't know who he is. Did he really say I'm putting out poison? Like by name? What loans are the best for my 20-year-old son, okay, to take on an investment property? Um, again, Janet, I don't know anything about your situation, your son's situation, any of that stuff. Um, uh, I would say if it was my daughter, I'll answer it that way. Um, what I would tell um, my daughter is if she can, to house hack. She can get in for three and a half or five percent down. This is what Todd Baldwin did, right? Todd Baldwin, CNBC millennial millionaire. He bought a five hundred thousand dollar house with nineteen thousand bucks. He held onto it for six years. He room hacked, so he had roommates. He made two grand a month, had zero housing expense, and he made three hundred thousand dollars when he sold it. That's what I would tell my daughter. Uh, I would tell him to do that. What kind of question is that? Yeah, I don't know. You're stuck in the 70s. I don't think I'm stuck in the 70s, but if Javier thinks, whatever. Um, I don't I don't pre preach, preach hatred. So if he thinks I'm putting out poison, I just won't listen to him. Uh, uh, when you are trying to meet other people in real estate, how do you do small talk? Typically, I would ask them about buy boxes and uh, net, like who do you recommend and who do you use. That usually people in real estate love to talk, so ask them a softball question and they'll start talking. So, all right, we'll wrap it up there, uh, folks. I don't know who Javier is, but if he thinks I'm preaching poison, this is what I have for Javier. Mm, I don't know, just having some fun. Take care, everyone. Bye.